All right, so Ben, I am excited to get into this because I get this question almost every single day, whether that be on an Instagram DM, uh, uh, on a Twitter or YouTube comment, and that is, hey, how do I choose the right company in which to to work for? Should I join a team? Should I go solo? Which company is the best? What should I be looking out for? All of those things, and I think in today's episode, we are going to cover it all. So first and foremost, good morning and welcome. Good morning. So Ben, before we dive into, I've got 10 points that's going to outline exactly what an agent would want to think about before they decide which team or brokerage to join. If an agent does want support that maybe they're not getting on the team or they're not getting at a company, they want to talk to us about a coaching relationship. What's the best way for them to to get in touch with you? Let's start off with that, and then I'll kind of walk them through what it is that maybe we can talk to them about. Yeah, just simply send me an email. Um, I'm ben at reverseselling.com, and, and we can have a conversation. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, what we want to focus on with anybody who who thinks that they want to have that conversation is somebody who, A, is looking to generate a multiple six-figure income in this business, and B, wants to do it primarily as a listing agent so they can control their time, they can control their income so they don't have the ebbs and flows, Ben. I think if somebody's listening to the show today or watching the show, and if that's you, I think it'd be worth having a conversation. And I'm sure, Ben, we can figure out if, if working together with them makes sense or not. You agree? Absolutely. So... Let's start off by unpacking the brokerage models first so that maybe a new agent that's not familiar, we won't take a lot of time here, but we can, there's really three big brokerage models, right? So the first, we'll start off with the traditional split model. These are companies like a Century 21, like a Coldwell Banker, that have commission splits that never cap, Correct. that have franchise fees that never cap. And so these are your most traditional. Now, ideally, the, the thing that people would expect with something like that is a lot of support. We're going to get into that. But that's, that's the first model, right? Anything to add to that? Nope, you nailed it. Yeah. Very basic. They've been around forever. They've been around forever. Number two is the cap, the traditional cap brokerage. So these are companies where you go there and they say, hey, here's your commission split. It's an 80, 20, 70, 30, but it caps, right? So EXPs of the world, the reels of the world, the Keller Williams of the world, the Remaxes of the world. These are all companies that say, hey, once you pay us 15,000, 18,000, 16,000, 21,000, you get to keep the rest. We get our portion, it caps out, and then you get to you get whatever you make over that. So those are those are called maybe the newer age companies that have been out for for a while, but those are those are cap companies. And then lastly, we have the 100% commission companies where you go there, you get to keep all of your commission. And we're going to talk about the pros and cons of all of these in just a second. You might pay like a monthly uh, flat fee. You might pay per transaction. So you pay 
X dollars, 500 bucks when you close on a deal. And that's how those companies are structured. Now, I think where this conversation starts is, well, let, let's break down the teams, the team models next. Why don't you break down the team models? Yeah, happy to. Three kind of team models come to mind. I, I first and foremost think the most traditional one would be you've got a you've got an agent that has been producing well. People start to take notice of him in the marketplace and approach him to join his team. And it just organically happens. He says, sure, you can join my team. Um, yeah, I'll show you what I'm doing and hopefully I can help. And, you know, give me 50%, 30%, whatever the arrangement is. It's kind of a handshake whatever they come up with, right? Um, to be able to call him and, and tap into that. The next would be, I would say in this day and age, it's more of a mega team, okay? And there's different variations, but I'll use the mega team lightly. But what I say when I say that, they've got it all. They've got everything you need, right? And you're plugging into a system that is already bulletproof, Right, it's like a like business said, with inside of a business. The mega teams right. are a full blown business, and we'll talk right. about that a lot. Yeah, we'll we'll dive deeper. But they've, for instance, they've got a TC right transaction coordinator. They're a lot of times giving you leads, maybe even booking appointments for you. And your job is to open doors, write contracts and offers, um, and then kind of run it through the system. And like I said, we'll talk about the different scale of that. And then the last team is what I would call either um, a sales practice model or like traditionally you'll see it like a husband and a wife uh, team where it's it's one or two agents and then they have a team, but it's all support staff, right? Yep. So they've got their own transaction coordinator, everything's dialed in, um, but they're the main salesperson. Maybe they have a showing assistant, maybe they have a buyer's agent to help with some of the lead flow. But um, so those are the three main teams that I'm yeah. thinking of. Did I miss anything? No, no. The last one, yeah, the, the the sales practice team, their entire business model is built around their own production, right? That's so right. I look at that very similar to how a physician will grow her practice or how a, an attorney would grow his practice. Very, very similar to that, right? So I'm going to be, I'm growing my real estate sales business. And as I continue to scale, I scale through support. So I have more time to focus on client facing duties and less on the administrative stuff. Correct. So those are the models that we're going to really go deep on. Now, let's go through what I, I've got like 10 points. And I want to go through each one. And at the end of our conversation, we can make some practical recommendations for people that are that are listening to this or watching the video. So for me, number one on the list, and I think outside of number one, you can categorize these however you want, but number one, this to me is the most important thing, Ben, for, for an agent deciding, okay, hey, where am I going to, where am I going to spend my time? Where am I going to go to work? Is environment by far. And what I mean by environment is this, is the environment a productive environment, a place where you can go and be successful, where you can go and sell a lot of homes. Because here's the reality. Here's what's normal. Most brokerages, you go there and not only are they ghost towns, right? There's nobody in there, but it's not a 
It's not a sales productive environment. In other words, they're not lead generation focused. And I don't, right. I don't want to get into how to generate leads on, in this conversation. That doesn't even matter. Just that most brokerages aren't filled. The offices aren't filled with people spending time, you know, all day long in lead generation. You have, you know, they're filled with, it's like the 80-20 principle. 20% of the agents there are doing 80% of the business. And then 80% of the agents are part-timers or just have their license there, kind of hanging out. Um, and so is the environment productive? Or worse yet, once you get recruited, once the red carpet goes away, so to speak, after you've been lured in through all the bought into the sizzle and you start to look for the steak, a lot of agents find themselves at home in their underwear, in a basement saying, well, where is everybody? I need help, help. And they're just by themselves on an island. What are you, what's been your experience with that? Yeah, I, I think that's dead on. I think you've got people that get all these promises to join the brokerage and they're like, where's all this, this training? Where's everything that you talked about? I'm here. I'm hiding in a corner or I'm hiding at home. Nobody's reaching out anymore. Nobody's helping. Um, and everyone's busy with either their established business or whatnot. So um, the environment is key, right? For me personally, I had succeeded in real estate or I had succeeded in a different industry in sales before getting into real estate. And it was because I was a part of a system where I showed up, there was an environment right? With great training expectations. That's and right. you're an independent contractor. Nobody is making you do anything. There's a lot of suggestions made on what you can do, but not tactically step-by-step -step what to do. And I think that's where people get lost. 100%. So first and foremost, you have to look at that to say, okay, if you're talking to a recruiter or a manager or whoever you're talking to about joining this team or that team or whatever brokerage, you have to ask, tell me about the environment. What does an average day look like? Am I just going to be by myself? Like, that's it? Am I going to be in an office? Are we on Zooms all day? You know, is there a virtual experience? You know, because we know human beings left on our own tend to not do very well in anything, right? So we are herd type creatures. And so we do better when there are other people around. That's number one. Number two, and you could argue maybe this is number one too, which is leadership or coaching. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that, again, in most of these companies, it doesn't exist. I mean, that's why guys like you and I have a job coaching real estate agents. It's because they're not getting it at their company at which they work. Now, let's define coaching. Yeah. To me, coaching means that you said the word that expectations are set up front between two human beings based on what somebody wants. And then the coach saying, okay, here's what you can expect from me to help you get there. And there's a mutual agreement up front on what both parties will bring to the table. And on the coach's side and on the player side, the baseline is accountability. That's the key thing that just doesn't exist inside of these brokerages and many, many teams. Because your point, it's an ego-based business. 
We're 1099 independent contractors. We don't want to be told what to do. And so most of these agents run around with like a chicken with their head cut off with no system, structure, or accountability or leadership, and they don't ever reach their highest potential. And so when you're looking at joining a team or a, a company, the, the next question has got to be, hey, what is the level of coaching? Is somebody here going to be willing to confront me on my BS or not? Because most brokers and most team leaders will never confront a real estate agent. Why? Because it goes against their interest. I'm not going to confront Ben because if Ben leaves me or leaves my team or my company, that hurts my bottom line. So, dude, I'm just going to let the guy do what he wants. I'm going to leave the dude alone. So that's the chicken or the egg with this, this whole conversation. And that's why coaching accountability leadership doesn't exist because most of these people that run, run teams and, and, and companies, they run it off a numbers game. Like I'll just hire every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Some are sticks, some won't. I'm not going to bother any of them. I'm not going to hold any of them accountable because the numbers makes me more profitable, but it's worse for the individual. Your thoughts mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, I, I just think about accountability, traditional accountability of maybe where they're coming from, a W-2. And we've talked about this a lot. You've talked about it a lot. You you tell somebody, do a hundred, do do what you need to do and you'll make a hundred thousand dollars, right? Or you're gonna lose your job. Where in this case, it's the opposite. And it's, hey, you can make as much as you want, but you can also do whatever you want. This is what we suggest you do to make that type of money. But a lot of people live out of fear of, of losing something more than they will be proactive to gain something. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So that's number two. Number three is lead generation support. So when you go in or having conversations with different companies or teams and you're trying to figure out, okay, where am I going to go? You have to, at some point say, okay, what, what, what type of lead generation are you guys doing? Are you doing any? Cause most aren't doing anything like you're an independent contractor, dude, this is, this is on you. You eat what you kill. So you have to find out, are they, are they, do they have ISAs that are making outbound prospecting calls for you setting appointments? Do they have an internet lead by program that you can plug into? Do they have an open house system where you can hold other agents' listings at the company's you know, open house? What are they, the company or the team, going to do to help you generate new clients, which is the number one problem agents have? So I think that's got to be high, high on the list. You agree with that? Absolutely. And be honest with yourself of what's the best fit for you and what you need and, and then interview and look for those. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Number four, I've got Ben is transaction support. So let me be clear. When I mean transaction support, I'm talking about once you are in a good environment, you've got great coaching and leadership. You start generating some clients. What we know to be true is most of the time, once an agent starts to become successful, is the very reason why that becomes they become not successful. I got a bunch of clients. And now I got to take my foot off the lead generation pedal to go and service my clients so that I give them a great experience. Fine. That's fine. But the problem is once those close, then they're on that hamster wheel, that up and down that almost every realtor is on in the industry. 
So what type of transaction support will you receive at the team or at the company that can help you build a more sustainable business where you're not having those peaks and valleys? And so do you have help tracking down addendums? Do you does do they help you give update calls to your clients? Do they give you somebody that will call the lender and track down tracking items or the other agent or the title company? Or are you just going to have to do everything on your own? And so I think transaction support from a team or, or a brokerage is a really big, big question to ask. Because otherwise, you're looking at hiring maybe your own transaction coordinator or your own assistant. And so this could be a huge, huge value add if a team or a brokerage provides that to you. Absolutely. And because you can use it from day one, right? It's True. something you can use and benefit from right out of the gate. Yeah, no doubt. The next one on the list, which is different, is admin support. So for me, admin support is, hey, you know, is somebody at the company or on the team helping me maintain my license, my continuing education, you know, inputting my listings, getting all the brokerage required documents to get paid? Am I staying compliant? Is someone, you know, dotting the I's, you know, crossing the T's? Can somebody help me with my lock boxes, my signs, order photography, put the photos together, write property descriptions, on and on and on and on and on and on. Do you have that level of administrative support or is the expectation that that is all on you? Another huge, huge value add. And I'm sure you'd agree with that, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So another thing to consider. All right, the next thing on my list is tools and resources versus what do you have to buy? What is the expectation? So in order to run a productive, successful, profitable real estate agent sales business, you're going to have to have some, some technology. You're going to have to have some tools in your business, you know, whether that be a CRM or Vulcan 7 or your website or you know anything like that. What type of support are you going to get from the team or the company? And what are they expecting you to pay for? That's a huge thing to find out when you're looking at business planning, your profit margins. What am I paying for? What are they paying for? And trying to understand the depths, you've got to start asking some of those questions. What are some tools or resources, Ben, that you think one would at least ask about before they commit to a company or a team? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, right? Because there's bottom line things where if you sell 100 homes or if you sell one home, your cost True. remains the same. And those are just fixed things on your P&L. So things that scale. So I'll give you two examples. CRM, fixed yeah. item. Doesn't matter if you're selling 100 or you're selling one, right? So CRM's big website that you can tap into. Sometimes those are linked, right? Um and then things that are going to cost you based on sales, right? So it's more like if you sell a home, you need to pay for that. Is Are they paying for photos or am I mm. paying for that? Because that's going to come out of your profit on that sale. Signs. Am I responsible for putting the sign, paying for the signs, buying all the signs? That's an upfront expense that you have to pay. You got to drop 1500 bucks to get enough signs to go. And then you're going to have to pay to get them installed, right? Per transaction. Lock boxes. Do I need to buy all the lock boxes up front? Are you going to give them to me? Right? Am I going to have to put them on the property or do you have somebody that can do that for me? Um, 
let's see what else what am i leaving out yeah i mean no those are those are some really good examples i mean there's 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 a laundry list of those things right. you know <laughs> it goes and, on and, and on and we can go broke on subscriptions we that's can go right broke on those things death death by a thousand cuts and so you have to understand yeah. what's being provided and what what, what is it that i'm going to need to run my business next on the list is another massive one i would prioritize this higher which is lead conversion support. So it's one thing, Ben, right? So I'm going to pull my credit card out as the team leader and buy you some leads and give you a whole pat on the back and say, good luck. It's another thing for me to be in the trenches with you, helping you to convert these. For me, there is no better opportunity for a leader to build deposits with somebody on their team than to help them convert a new client. So what do I mean specifically? Leaders, listen, I am talking about you not just telling people what to do. I'm talking about you getting in the trenches, picking up the phone, calling prospects, helping your agents convert the the uh, convert those into an appointment. I'm talking about you going on the appointment with your agent to show them how it's done. I'm talking about you getting into a deal, saving a deal, negotiating, talking a client off, off the ledge. All these things, Ben, to me, is probably one of the greatest things a leader can do to lead from the front, to show, not tell. Mm -hmm. And you, I don't know, I, I, you, you better ask that question to say, dude, am I going to be on my own once I find a client or what can I expect from you? Yeah, my, my biggest thing early in this industry was like the listing presentation was some big secret, right? Mm. How, what do you do? What do you say? Right? Can somebody help me out here? And it's like, yeah, you just kind of go there, do this versus having somebody go there and you just shadow and say, Hey, you know, there's, there's a negotiation of, of what that value is worth to have a top producing agent come and, and help you land that client client. It will, it will set you up in your career forever. That's right. That's exactly right. Love it. Number eight on the list. This one is easy. Um, it's broker support. You know, when, when there is a dispute or is there a, a debate, do you have a broker that's going to have your back? That's going to fight for you as long as you're doing the right thing. If there's an EMD dispute, th those will those will those will crush an agent's productivity because you find yourself in these disputes and it's like, man, I don't even feel like process. I don't even feel like getting a new client because I got to deal with this nightmare of a deal. The last thing I want is another one of these, right? Right. Fear so, of success. Yeah, exactly right. Fear of success. And so do you have a really good broker who is not afraid to roll her sleeves up or his sleeves up and get after it for you say, you know what? You keep generating clients. I'll deal with this EMD dispute. I'll let you know if I need you, right? Mm -hmm. I had, before I opened my own company, I had one of the greatest brokers. She was, she was amazing. She was amazing. These, I had, I'll never forget it. Buyer and seller. Seller doesn't show up to closing, okay? And this was my client. And so now there's this huge dispute. The buyer's obviously freaking out, right? And now they want to sue over commissions and this, that, all kinds of stuff. I'm like, this is a nightmare. And my seller's like, ah, I just changed my mind. Like, you just changed your mind on the day of a closing. My broker dealt with the whole thing. I never heard about it again. Like, she just did the whole thing, got it all resolved. That To me, that is just, 
That is so valuable. I'm not sure if you've had a broker like that in your career, Ben, but it's been great for me to have somebody like that in my life. No doubt. And I think as a new person, it's really good to have that. Do, have you had any experience with a really good broker in your career? You know, unfortunately, I've had tastes of it, but I've also probably experienced a time where I didn't have that right. at a previous company when I really needed it versus the ones I've been at since then. My knowledge has, I've been equipped to handle those situations a little better. But when I was newer and I really needed the help, I just took it in the teeth and yep. could have really used some use that broker that you were talking about. Yeah, for sure. As a new agent, you really need somebody that you can lean on and just know that you can go out there and really freely, right? You need to educate yourself. You need to be accountable to the rules, obviously, but you also need to have the freedom to go out there and th just do your job and not be scared of the consequences. Yeah. And making what I would call calculated mistakes because you've got a broker that's educating you, that's supporting you, that's got your back. You're not being reckless. But yeah, if you just not. live in fear because you're like, oh, I don't want to touch anything. A lot of these new agents, they get so scared coming out of real estate school because they hear all the, the horror stories. And so their fear levels are really high. So they've got to be with a broker that they know has their back. Number nine on the list is marketing support. So mm. when you're having conversations with team leaders or broker owner managers, you have to say, what what type of social media marketing are you going to help me with? Do you have a videographer? Do you have a video editor? Do you have somebody who can strategically help me create content? Do you have somebody that can help me create marketing campaigns where I can communicate with my past clients, my centers of influence, so I can build more repeat and referral business? Do you guys have client events that I can piggyback off of? What type of marketing are you doing in the community? These are all questions that have to be asked before you make that decision. And I think a lot of agents are forgetting this, right? And mm -hmm. so I think it's a really important thing to, to, to dive into before committing. Your thoughts on, on marketing support? Yeah, it's something that, you know, we all know you can jump on Canva, you can post stuff on social media, you can do this, that, and the other. But let's remember to focus on the things that are money generating activities. And if you can leverage that task out while you launch your career and just tap into it and look like a professional right out of the gate and not have to figure it out on your own, then that's huge. And well, some let me people paint a are picture. more gifted. Yeah, yeah and I'll paint, I'll paint a picture for the audience. Here's exactly what I mean, Ben. If an agent's going to be on my team, what they can expect from us is they'll show up on media day. We'll put the camera on them. They'll mm. say exactly what we need them to say. We'll edit the video, right? We'll post it on all their social media platforms for them. We'll create mm. a marketing letter out of the content. We'll mail their entire database a letter on their behalf will write an email on their behalf using that content that we will send out to their database on their behalf. We'll be throwing client appreciation events on their behalf. They just have to show up. So when I say marketing support, imagine a world like that, right? That's what I'm talking about. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then lastly on the list is I have compensation and it is last on purpose. One of the people I, I respect a lot, posted something on his Facebook over the weekend. He said, top agents care about their net 
scarcity-minded agents worry about their split. And I couldn't agree more. I think too many agents are leading their decisions based on what is the commission split. And I've always said, well, 100% of nothing is still nothing, right? There are so many agents on great teams on a 50-50 split that are have a higher taxable net income than a lot of these agents that are on a 100% split because of ego. And I'm not I'm not campaigning for one or the other. I'm not I don't have a bias towards one or the other. Here's what I would suggest. We gave 9 or 10 points in today's conversation. I think that you should go through each one of these points, write them out, and to me each one's worth 10% in compensation as an example. If you're going to go into a world, Ben, where you're my leader and you're you're handling all of my lead generation, like that's worth 10%. If you have a transaction coordinator where I don't have to worry about the client experience, that's worth 10%. If you got admin support, so on and so forth. If you're helping me convert all of my leads, well then as a result I will probably sell more houses under a world like that than if I have to do all of that on my own. And so you have to balance these things out. Don't. So what is the practical recommendation? The practical re- recommendation for my point, Ben, and I want yours too, is don't make decisions solely on commission split. Don't look at one and say, ooh, that's got 100% commission. That's better than this one that's offering 50-50. Because you have no context. What if you knew the one on 50-50, I'll paint this picture. The one on 50-50, the average agent on that team sells 42 homes and makes 194000 a year. They do all the lead generation for them. They have ISAs that set all of their appointments. They have a transaction coordinator that ha- handles all of the client experience, all of the appraisal negotiations, all the inspection negotiations. The team does all... The marketing does all their social media, does all their video content, does all their client events for them on their behalf, markets to their past clients, does all of those different things. Well, that's pretty valuable. And as right, and so the person on the 100% split makes 30 grand, which is the average, right? It's like, which one's better? What is your take or your practical recommendation when looking at all this? Yeah, I, I think you really have to think about it because you don't. You don't know how good of a setup what you just described is until you've been on both sides. So being somebody that can step into a situation where all you do is money generating activities, right, yep. is phenomenal. The The team lead is paying for radio. The team lead is paying for billboards, Zillow, whatever lead sources. And all you do is you show up and you get to learn the business, you get to plug in, do what you love, right? What you got into this business to do. I love showing houses, I love meeting with people. If you can do that eight hours a day, then you're gonna be happier and you're going to net more because they're covering everything, right? And you need to look at it as, in that situation, it is more of a job right? where, on the other situation, you're treating it more of as a business. You need to invest in 
you know, upfront costs. Like we described, you got to buy a bunch of lockboxes, signs, websites, set all these tools up um, and continue to grow. And you just need to understand, okay, if I'm going to, what what is going to make me more happy? What is going to get me to the, my definition of success the quickest? And if you can just step in day one without knowing anything and experience appointments, writing purchase agreements, learning the business, we talked about this the other day. Maybe you do that forever. Mm. and But maybe you decide that you want to learn the business from that side and then go out and and do it on your own and generate leads and whatnot. Once you've created a situation where you can be successful from day one, save up to launch a business, right? Create those funds through the job in real estate, you know, get your feet, get get in it, get dirty, and and then really launch a business um, and be able to afford to succeed. Where I think sometimes people get into this business and they go for, I want 100% commission. I'm going to do everything on my own. And they're, they've like, I just quit my job and I've got no savings. You're, you're, you're destined for failure, right? That's a great um, point. Do people pull it off? Absolutely, right? Yeah, for we sure. We see people pull it off. But let's, you know, make it so that the failure rate isn't 80%. And, and that can be a way to help you get past it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you're suggesting this or not, but my my recommendation for, for most new people getting in the industry is for their first year, go on one of these mega teams that have everything figured out, learn what you're doing, create some success, have the job with inside real estate, make some good money. And then at some point you can think about going off on your own. Maybe you hire a coach who can support yes. in all of the areas that the team was giving you from a leadership perspective but the you get to keep more money as a result, right? And right. so you can do that later in life. And so right. hopefully you guys, that made a lot of sense today. Um, there's a lot of good practical takeaways, Ben. Again, I appreciate your time like always, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see the fine folks here soon. Yes.